Welcome back to this episode of The Igloo. Today's very special guest is Jack Elliott. Welcome, Jack. Thanks for having me, Peter. Thanks for coming on. Um, so let's start off with uh, a little bit of who you are, how we know each other, what you're doing these days, what's going on. Yeah, I like it. So um, my name's Jack Elliott. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I obviously went to High Point, graduated a couple of years before you, and then after that I went on to pursue a master's degree in project management at Wake Forest. Um, and all the meanwhile, I have been working in the manufacturing sector. So pretty exciting stuff, but um, that's a quick snippet of what I've been doing. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. What is the manufacturing sector? Specifically plastic injection molding. So we make plastic components for uh, aerospace, industrial, residential parts, retail, consumer, um, we make anything as small as the size of your fingernail all the way up to 13 gallon trash can currently with the sights of making a 32 gallon trash can soon enough. It's very exciting. Yes. Very exciting. So you're not in the factory making these things. What do you do on a day to day or week to week basis? So I started in the company as a Western regional account manager. So I was selling, and let me back up a second. So the overall company is called Foreshare. Foreshare owns and operates a couple of sub brands, uh, Stanford Manufacturing, Battery Watering Technologies, um, Extreme Defense, Personal Protective Equipment, Paint Masters, a commercial and uh, a commercial and residential real estate arm company as well. So there, there's a few sub brands underneath the Foreshare umbrella. And uh, I could talk a little bit later about what specifically my vision for Foreshare is to become, but I started as a Western Regional Account Manager at Battery Watering Technologies. So I was supposed to move out to LA, pandemic happened. That sign-lined oh, wow. everything. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a blessing because I ended up working in the headquarters in North Carolina. That led me to jumping away from not just being involved at battery watering technologies, but working for Foreshare, And I kind of ended up creating my own role in a way, which is now the director of business development role. So uh, I oversee everything external for the company, marketing, all of our sales teams across each of the brands, um, new products and services, potential acquisitions, potential new products to launch, new companies to launch, et cetera. So so you get your your hands in a lot of different cookie jars, that even is, though you have like one title, you are doing so much with it. That is a good way to put it. And the best part about it for me is there is no such thing as a regular day because, you know, Tuesday morning might start off by selling watering systems. And then, you know, by 11 o'clock, I'm in a, mar a marketing meeting and, you know, by lunch, I'm sitting with a customer talking about aerospace components. And after that, I'm you know, going to meet a business owner to try and talk to him about buying his company. And by, wow. you know, four o'clock, it's a interview or something for, you know, a local news outlet. And by, you know, that night, it's a conference call with China to talk about a new mold we're building or whatever that might be. It's right, just right. like, there's no like average day, I guess. I think from our friendship and knowing you and your personal life, I feel like that's super good for you. 
And that'd be great for me of just not doing the same thing over and over again. Definitely. Definitely. Does it, does it do you have days that like totally throw you off? Because you can have like, you know, a difference in, in not doing the same thing day to day and a, and a difference in your days. But is there ever something that's like, whoa, I have never experienced this before. I'm kind of out of my element. What do I do? It happens more often than you think. <laughs> but, you know, I think at the end of the day, one challenge of it is that it creates a lot of inconsistency in your personal life. Um, okay. You know, it makes it difficult when, you know, you have a work dinner on a Tuesday night and you were planning to um, have dinner with family or you... Uh, you know, really have a big project you have to get in the next day, but all of a sudden there's a tsunami that comes from a different company that you have to handle and you don't get that project in as fast as you would have liked to. Or, um, you know, from a, a health and wellness side of things, you're on the road a ton and you're scrambling to find what you're going to eat as a healthy option in the middle of a nowhere town. <laughs> it's not so, just McDonald's every day. Yeah, exactly. And then, okay, now I got back to my hotel room late at night. Do I really want to power through to go work at the Hilton, you know, gym? Instead of totally. being around, you know, your athletic greens and your supplements and your regimen and getting in the gym that you're familiar with and all that kind of stuff. It makes it pretty difficult on a personal uh, side to kind of have consistency when your schedule at work is so inconsistent. So that is a challenge. I was going to say, that's, that's a super valid point that I don't think is talked about a lot of just, you know, you could be a teacher um, and you are teaching different things every day you could argue that your day is is different day to day because you're not meeting with the same clients or whatever you are teaching a different lesson every day but when that bell rings at three o'clock it's time to go home for everybody right and that's not the case with your job that is true that is true so kind of change gears but stay on your little like business mindset um you have some interesting is is not even doesn't even do it justice but if it gives some very unique um mindsets and strategies when it comes to the business world especially when you know you were a senior and, and a first year graduate outside of ipoint um you did a lot of special things i feel like to push yourself forward in the the world of business do you want to talk about some of those things yeah I I, you had some interesting stories and strategies I think that High Point University 1000% shaped me into who I am today, but there were so many little things that we applied both at Sigma Nu Fraternity on campus and, um, you know, just in, I, I'd say two of my bigger takeaways from High Point was Sigma Nu Fraternity and the uh, university ambassador program. I ended up being a captain university ambassador. So I was in charge of giving tours and then managing a group of kids that were giving tours. Cool. Um, I, our manufacturing company, Stanford Manufacturing, which is our contract plastic injection molding company, we essentially started accepting outside customers three years ago. So it is a pretty new company. Wow. Yeah. I, I emulated High Point's tour model at Stanford, and I attribute a lot of our success at Stanford to that tour and marketing model. That's so cool. Um, Example. Yeah, I was going to say. When you come on a tour at Stanford, you pull up to visitor parking spots parked right out front. The building is modern, clean, new, a lot of bells and whistles. It's like going to the Disneyland of injection molding. There's, (laughs) you know, brand new machinery, robots, automation, things happening. 
Um, so, so much going on around you right off the bat, right? Right when you pull in your parking spot. Definitely. You come into the lobby and there's a TV screen in the lobby playing a loop of the plant. And there's a big, beautiful, modern, sexy sign on the wall and some cool artwork and a display case with some of the most intricate parts we make in-house. Um, you go through the plant tour. As soon as you step into the back, you get handed Stanford-branded safety glasses that you get to keep. You walk through the plant Hell with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, we go into the conference room at the end, and there's Stanford-branded uh, pads and or notepads and pens at every single station. You get offered water. Do you want sparkling or do you want still water? <laughs> and if you want still water, here comes a bottle of Fiji, right? Totally. Um, you sit. We have a conversation, a discussion. You leave. As soon as you leave, your account manager, whether it's me or one of our other sales reps, are in the conference room writing handwritten notes to every single person that came on tour. They're putting their business card in the note. They're personalizing the letter. They're mailing it to the person that came on the tour. Once we sign up a client, so meaning, and in injection molding, these are big project sets, right? Like these are, injection molding for the partners we have are a critical component for what they do. If it's aerospace, they're relying on the plastic components we're creating for them to, you know, build their project sets. Um, Which are, they need to be perfect and go off without a hitch and no issues because whatever kind of aerospace you want to talk about, whether it's flying planes or landing on the moon, there's so many things that can go wrong and it can't be you guys. Yes. And once you sign that customer up, we are putting together this really beautiful crate and in the crate is a Travis Matthews Stanford Manufacturing. It's this really oh, nice 20-ounce yeah. uh, yellow Yeti that I'm holding in my hand with Stanford Manufacturing on it. It's uh, a nice Yeti. Stanford golf balls, pins, pads, cookies from Winston-Salem. So it's like that local touch, uh, some other local foods and stuff that go in the box. So many takeaways that will forever remind your client or, or that person that stepped into the office that day of you guys and another handwritten note in that package that's welcoming them to the stanford family right that's cool so basically full circle here going back to high point high point does the same thing you show up you have a visitor parking spot with your name on it you get on a golf car you go for a ride around campus all the buildings are modern sexy clean new right very every single detail of what they put into that university has a meaning in cottrell you remember all the glass in Cottrell? Totally. Their modern library, they called it. Yep. The reason that they have all that glass in Cottrell is because they're emulating Fortune 500 offices. So if you're sitting in a classroom that's basically a fishbowl and people are walking by and you're turning around and looking at the people walking by the classroom, not paying attention to the lesson, if you're sitting in a Fortune 500 office uh, or a company, excuse me, with a you know CEO and you're having a meeting with them and then or her, and all of a sudden, you know, somebody's walking by the office every 30 John seconds. John from accounting is yeah. pacing back and forth. And you're turning your head every 15 seconds. The CEO's going to be like, look at me. I'm telling you something. You know, I have something important to yeah, tell what you. What are you so distracted by? What's more important than me? So it, it, High Point does all this, like these subliminal messages. And every detail of what they put into that school has a purpose. And so that's what I wanted Stanford to be on a modernized level. And they do the same thing. At the end of the tour, you go meet with an account manager, essentially. Uh, when you leave, the person that gave you the tour writes a handwritten note, sends it to your house. You get it when you get home. Thanks for coming to visit. Hope you choose High Point. Uh, you get a, a High Point shirt for coming to visit the school, and you leave with that. So first day, you get your uh, like 
high point shirt that says class of whatever class you are and it's like mm-hmm. everything's feels super personalized and catered to you whether or not it actually is it, it you're getting the feeling of it which is super important and the the most impressive thing too is they've done something that i uh you know wanted stanford to be and the reason i i think there's four pillars as to why specifically stanford has grown so quickly and it's unbelievable quality of products unbelievable customer service immediate lead times in a modern and clean facility so modern clean facility immediate lead times unbelievable quality products and unbelievable customer service and i think that high point operates the school similarly in a business aspect that you're getting a quality education in a super modern clean facility talking about lead times aren't really relevant to school but right. essentially that's now yeah right totally and their customer service is next level so it's kind of the same thing of what i wanted stanford to emulate and that's why i think it's grown so quickly well i think another aspect of it is just to not to take it away from you and put it on high point, but people forget that it's a private school and private schools are there to make money. Like it's not a, that's right. It's not a state school that is money's coming from or going to the government. It's people at that university are taking that money home directly or indirectly. And they are doing everything that they can to ensure that they have the most of the highest quality students. And the way you do that is with those four, five, six, seven, eight, nine aspects that are daily reminders is not the right word, but daily uh, aspects of your life. Absolutely. It's very, honestly, I never thought about like, so there are, I, you know, from going to High Point that there are so many little things, but when you really break it down, there's like thousands of little things that they do. Thousands of little things. People think that having a steakhouse on campus is the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard of when they're looking at it from an outsider's perspective. But it's a learning lab. It is there with the purpose of trying to get you ready for corporate environments. More deals are done in a steakhouse or on a golf course than are done in a boardroom. And that's the entire principle of the school. I was just saying, I'm shocked they don't have a golf course already. It is. It is shocking. But the, you know, the, the steakhouse, essentially, you, it's a learning lab. The, the wait staff is trained in professional etiquette. They're walking around showing you how to behave in that landscape, in that setting. Um, you have to dress business uh, formal to go into the place. You have to make a reservation a week in advance. You can't skip your reservation or they ban you for like a month. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah, you can't use your part. cell phone at dinner because they ban you for a month. So it's like these, these concepts that they're doing that, you know, again, from an outsider, they're looking at like, oh, you have a steakhouse. So you have you know, all this fancy stuff on campus, it is there to emulate the real business world. And that's exactly what it does. And that goes even with their rules, like specifically within that steakhouse of the, uh, like freshman year, you're like, I can't use my phone. This is bullshit. Like, I don't want to, I want to use my phone at dinner. Fuck off. I'm just some college freshman. And then here we are, you're four years out of college, five years out of college. I'm like three months now. And we're both totally understanding and seeing the vision that they had the entire time. But at first you don't, you don't get it because it's so subtle of, of their, the point they're trying to make. Absolutely. But bringing that to your own business is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's been, it's been fun at Stanford, uh, to see it grow so quickly. That's definitely been one of our bigger passions recently is getting heavier into this contract manufacturing space. BWT has been around since 1999, um, global supplier of, of uh, 
battery accessory components. Um, so it's also been cool to see how we've done some of the items there the entire time that right. I just wasn't you know right. aware of. And uh, you know, one of my favorite things that that is a a, a mandated item is that we will always have somebody at every single company answer the phone. I think that's something so small that businesses don't do. You call somebody, it's like, for customer service, press one. For sales, press two. For John Doe, press three. And then you finally dial one. And then it's like, okay, to speak to sales for the Southeast, press two. Okay, yeah. press two. And then, oh, you're in North Carolina. What division do you want to speak to? And now you've been on the phone for eight minutes talking to a robot. And then you finally get to the button. And then it's like, Thanks for calling whoever. I'm sorry I'm not here right now. And you're like, did I really just waste 12 minutes All of my, of my life? Time. Yeah. So even if even if our customer service reps can't answer your question, we still have a, thank you for calling Stanford. Thank you for calling Battery Water Tech. Thank you for calling for 4Share. How can I help you? Yeah. And you can talk to a real person immediately within like three rings. That's really cool. It's so simple. It's so small. It's so easy might not be the right word, but it's simple. It goes for high point too. If you call the admissions office at high point, somebody's going to answer the phone. Immediately. Yeah. Book your tour, put you in the right direction, something. Oh, I forget her name. Miss G- Miss Gina? No. What's her last name? Withers? Yeah. She has been there forever, mm-hmm. I feel like. And she is was not a big part, but but definitely top ten of like what made me choose high point. I was like, oh damn, if everyone's gonna be like this, this is exactly where I want to be. Miss Gina is amazing. She uh, had a big influence on me as well. She has been there a long time. She oversaw uh, a lot of the stuff I was doing when I was a university ambassador, so I interacted right. with her a lot. And now that we're talking about this, I just totally remembered we went sidetracked from the Sigma Nu concepts as well. Yeah, let's do that. Um, when, you were, when I was, and I don't know if you ever even got to see all this, and I don't know how much I preach some of these principles to you. Let's just say for context, Jack was a senior when I was a freshman. Yes. Uh, here we are both post-grad now. But uh, Jack was, I don't want to jerk your chain and uh, <laughs> say say you were a mentor, but it was definitely you being the older senior that everybody, if not everybody, me, uh, really looked up to. So Yeah, I don't know about everybody, but I take it, that. Take it away. Um, no, but, and then for a little more context too, I did hold some leadership roles in the chapter. I was... Uh, the assistant marshal, and then I was the marshal, and the marshal for Sigma Nu Fraternity on campus is third in command. Um, I then also was the IFC vice president of recruitment, so I got kind of a more macro level, um, you know, relationship with the chapter for dealing with other chapters as well on the IFC level. But uh, within our own chapter, this is where I came up with the urgency and diversity concept. <laughs> Um, obviously everybody there knew me for eat or be eaten. It was my license plate, EOB. I actually owned the trademark. Don't know if you know that or not. I ended up buying the trademark eat or be eaten. So I have eat or be eaten trademark for apparel. No. Yeah. (laughs) But not the, and obviously, yeah, I think I did that like a year after graduation. I just was messing around and realized it was available and I ended up buying it. Oh my God. That's so funny. So I'm not really doing anything with it right now, but truthfully one day I think I'm either going to write a book called Eater Beaten or I'm going to make it like a, a LLC and do some, something with it. Um, so I just wanted to go ahead and have it. So I've trademarked Eater Beaten. <laughs> that's so cool. I yeah. Know that. 
but uh you know so i had that principle that everybody knew was eat or be eaten but then there was another one that we kind of landed on which was urgency and diversity and that can be applied to your personal life it can be applied to business it can be applied to the fraternity whatever it would be but essentially what we were looking at was we started to have a huge decline in chapter attendance from both like actual non-social activities meaning like philanthropy events and other things and then we had a huge lack in attendance um for actual social events like we were a social fraternity that was kind of the whole point like right i get if you're pissed off about showing up to a philanthropy event at 8 a.m on a sunday but you should be there at nine o'clock at night on a friday and a lot of people were not no one was coming to our parties anymore and we were like, what's going on? And, w- and then it turned into this huge divide of the guys that always want a party being like, where's everybody at? And the people that are social but don't necessarily like to party every single weekend, which is honestly the overwhelming majority, believe it or not. Like <laughs> yeah. 70% of the chapter was, totally. was a social group, but was like, hey, we don't want to go to back-to-back nightclubs. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what we ended up landing on was we were doing – the same thing every single night, twice a week for an entire semester. So we were just throwing the same party every single night, twice a week. And the only thing that was changing was the theme. So we would do a whiteout and then there, or heaven, and then there'd be like, you know, Hawaiian night, and then there'd be Jersey night, and then there'd be, you know, oh, we have a DJ and we're doing neon theme. Like, yeah. it was just the same parties all the time. So that's where urgency and diversity came in was if you create diversity in the events that you're doing or and that can be applied to anything your relationship it can be applied to business because everybody knows the word complacency if your business becomes complacent if your relationship becomes complacent then you're gonna fail in every aspect in every aspect so we had to start thinking outside of the box for what can we do socially to drive up attendance and create urgency so that's where urgency and diversity kind of came from um I loved that concept, and uh, you know that's. Well, I feel like both those catchphrases. Sorry to call them catchphrases. That's that's offensive. No, no. Um, They both go hand in hand, though. Like, if if you don't have urgency and diversity, you will be eaten. Yes. You know, like yes, and you have to eat or be eaten. So you make the decision in your own mind, but uh, you either have to go out and kill, or you're going to be killed. In in everything. Yes. Both are in everything. We started, and unfortunately, we got kind of foobarred by COVID big time, but we had some really cool stuff on the agenda. We were going to like rent basically a party boat on Lake Norman at one point and like do that. We Other were chapters do, had done that too, which we were not like stealing the idea from because party boats have been rented before, right? but we had never done anything like that. We were looking at golf tournaments to hold on a Saturday. We were looking at... Um, live band I heard was live band we were looking at like hiring like a up and coming artist like at the time baby wasn't really a big thing yet really? he was rentable for like I say rentable that's probably the wrong word to use <laughs> yeah. but, you know you could book him <laughs> yeah, for like yeah. 15 grand so oh, damn. yeah now he costs like a million to yeah. book so <laughs> yeah. you know it was like one of those things where we're like okay should we just all throw in and like get raise some money and bring baby to campus for 15 grand you know damn that would have been sick um we had a really cool live band my second to last s form nice um, s form is our i don't know if i've said this before but our our parties in the house we had to fill out the s form or the social form to throw them um but we had a live band from um 
Where were they from? Myrtle Beach. And it was off the chain. It was like a beach band? No, it was all country. Oh, that's cool. And they were like just country classics the whole time. Big Country and Rick didn't leave the front of the stage the entire night. I don't doubt it. Was it was so cool. I don't doubt it. Um, and we, but we had been talking about it since before I was a freshman there. Yep. And we finally did it. That's awesome. Last S form senior year. <laughs> no, that's um, fantastic. But it was really cool. But I feel like there's a lot of those things that are talked about for six years in, again, every aspect of life that finally get put together. I think you and a couple others, I'm sure there's millions of people out there, but the people that I know, there's very few that are like, okay, we've got this idea, let's do it right now, tomorrow, boom. There's, you just brought up something that's so important. It's a concept that I was talking about with Emma today. And I, we've all done it. We've all thought about what we should do or could do. And there's either been a piece of fear or lack of drive or somebody telling you that it's a bad idea that stopped you from doing it. And it's probably stopped you from either having a lot of fun or making a lot of money. And I made the conscious decision today that I'm no longer going to be captive <laughs> to that fear or that negativity from other people. And that when I have a home run of an idea, no matter what the risk is, I was excited about it the first go round. Obviously, there's risk parameters you have to For go sure. through, and there's certain things you're not going to do. I'm not saying every single thing you come up with is a home run, but if you believe that it's something solid to do, even if the risk is high, just do it. You know, and I money comes and goes, and you'll make it back. <laughs> yeah. So just try it. Well, that's what I did. Um, I I took a big chance recently. Um, of I went to school for four years to teach special education and I had a wonderful teaching job lined up that I was really excited to do and it was an amazing school and I liked the people there um, and I changed careers and I'm now in sales uh, before I fully started the teaching job so I, uh, I didn't fully ditch any students or anything like that yeah. but uh, I, I'm, I haven't started the sales thing either but I'm about to and I um, I'm taking that risk. I'm I'm putting myself out there because this is kind of what I think I want to do for now. And if I don't like it, then I don't like it, and I go back to teaching. But exactly. I want to try this. This sounds exciting. Something I'm I feel like I could be really passionate about, and we'll see how it goes. I but think about it's trying awesome that. Idea. Thank you, appreciate it. But uh, taking that risk, and I think a lot of people need to do that more often. I agree a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, to now shift gears again, um, talking about your personal life and I guess your upbringing, um, you're a North Carolina local your whole life. Is that, did I get that right? Yes, sir. I was, uh, born in Texas Whoa. and grew up in North Carolina my entire life. Gotcha. So I have not left. I, uh, went to elementary school here, middle school, high school, college, graduate school, and I work here and now I live in Charlotte. So you were saying earlier how you were going to be in LA. Yes. Uh, but COVID kind of threw a wrench in that for you. Do you have any like feeling of, uh, I don't know what the right phrase is, but like missed opportunity of like, damn, I wish I could you know, work in New York right now or work in LA like I had planned or back to Texas or wherever anywhere else in the world, do you have any, like, gosh, I don't know how to ask this, but 
but like are you bummed do you feel like you missed out on anything or are you very happy with where you are what you're doing and how you're doing it absolutely not <laughs> i got to live in new york city for four months in an internship um i love new york city i love going to visit but as you know when you pulled up outside of my house i drive a truck i like to shoot ducks i like to sit in the peace and quiet at night. And I believe that your home is kind of your safe place to get back to at the end of the day and relax. And when I was living in New York, there was not a second of relaxation I had. A lot of people love it. I was not one of those guys that loved it. Um, we had this, I forgot yeah. we had this conversation the other day. Yeah. Uh, I really liked your, your description of what it's like showing up or, or getting back home um, to your apartment in New York City versus showing it back up to your apartment or your house here in North Carolina. It was <laughs> you like, want to reenact that? It right was quick. like coming back from war. You would literally <laughs> get back to your apartment and you'd slam the door behind you and just kind of take a deep breath. And then all of a sudden it's ambulances, sirens, cars, trucks, horns outside the window the entire night. And you're you just had, like, when you described it last time, you had these giant bug eyes and you were like, yeah. I just got home. What's next? Yeah. Oh my God. Is I'm not safe. Is there an intruder in my closet? <laughs> like, it was a... Uh, it was a uh, tough time. But again, I love New York City. It's a fun place to go and visit. And you know, because I was covering the West Coast for two years um, as a sales rep and not living in LA, I went to Los Angeles five times a year, six times a year for wow. two years, which, you know, okay, it's in the continental United States, no big deal, right? But people don't realize that getting from to LA from North Carolina, I could literally fly to London in one extra hour. So right. it's not like an easy place totally. to get to. And when I would go, I'd go for like two weeks at a time. So I probably collectively spent two months a year in LA for two years. And I still go out at least once a year for a week at a time, maybe two weeks, Wow. Uh, depending on you know what happens. And I tried to do a big road show when I go. So I'll go from like here to uh, like Texas and then Texas to like Phoenix and then Phoenix to Vegas and Vegas to LA and then home. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but LA is fantastic. I do really like Southern California. Uh, like where I was going to live, I was going to live at Huntington Beach. I'd already picked the apartment out. Like I was planning oh, to wow. make the move. I like was that. that far along. Jeez. Um, but I didn't know anybody. So that would have been tough. And we have, I don't have any friends that live out there or anything. It would have been all work. And it honestly would have probably slowed down my personal career. Because I wouldn't have gotten to work with our corporate team in the in the headquarters, I wouldn't right. have gotten to show everybody that you know I'm not just a kid that just graduated college, and that we can really propel this company with a little bit of you know trust and faith and some plans and the risk to try some of the things that I wanted to try right away. And fortunately, I'm definitely not some genius by any means, but we fortunately have tried some stuff that's worked, and uh, it's allowed me the opportunity to keep trying stuff. So that's it's great. Been fun. I uh, I was gonna say I feel like you're a big in person guy, um, like you love a good handshake, and that would not have been easy for you to do online or in a new place where you don't know anyone. Yeah. Like not that you knew everyone at the company or or any of your new clients or or old clients or whatever it is when you were a senior in college, but I think for you personally and for a lot of us in the corporate world it is being in person is such a huge factor huge factor and uh i think especially with our generation of people that are now getting accustomed to uh 
sitting behind a camera and, you know, waking up, rolling out of bed in a hoodie and starting work. And then that's how they're wrapping up their day. It makes it tough sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I love a good work from home day because I actually accomplish everything I need to. But I love the days I get to go into the office and strategize with our team, talk about stuff we're doing, meet clients, bring them into the office, uh, go out to lunch with people and build relationships. I think that one thing that our generation has to focus on hard because this is something that we've adapted to, not adapted to with the age of technology and Zoom and everything else, is the value of building relationships. It is 100% still a relationship world, regardless of what the media and everybody else wants you to think. It is 1,000% a relationship world in order to succeed professionally, personally, and to sell. Well, I'm just kind of learning that, relearning that now. Uh, I always thought it was. Uh, like I was always big on relationships, and, and I was never not. But when... I think honestly, a little bit before COVID, even I, it felt like it was a numbers game and not a personality game. Um, especially as a New Yorker, I feel like we were almost. This can sound horrible out of context if I'm ever famous, but I feel like we were ready for COVID. Um, in the sense of everyone wanted to be at home, everyone wanted to be on their computer, everyone wanted to be in sweats on their couch typing away all day long. Um, we were at a point, I feel, that a lot of people were being pushed to their limits prior to COVID in everything, in work, in life, in business. And sure. it was like a great reset. I mean, it was an awful event that happened. Um, and I'm not saying that I would like for there to be a lockdown ever again. I think that it was a valuable time for those that made it through it to reset on a you know, life level. For to sure. reconnect with totally. loved ones, to spend more time with their dog, to you know work on the project they'd been putting off for six months on their house to do stuff. Well, it also showed me like who, who I really care about and who really cares about me. When yeah. you're sitting in your bedroom all day or in your house, whatever whatever it was, um, for twenty four seven for whatever it was three four months straight, you don't want to waste your time talking to people on the phone or on zoom or on FaceTime that you don't want to talk to. But in your day-to-day life, normally there's a lot of people that you don't want to interact with that you have to interact with I'll tell for you better what, or for worse. I'll tell you what else about COVID. And then I don't, I don't want to get into keep, keep going. Yeah. Going I don't, on. I don't <laughs> want to get in some rabbit hole about COVID, but one thing that COVID showed me is that our world is not ready for a black plague event. Like COVID was terrible. And I know a lot of families and people that were really affected by COVID Absolutely. lost loved ones. And yeah. my thoughts and prayers are with all of them. If there was a black plague event that was going to wipe out 50% of the people that contracted whatever it was, yeah. we are not prepared not at all. to deal with something like that. Yeah, we are germ infested everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No one's, as, no one's as clean as you think they are. Or not people, but just also places and objects and everything it's freaky but to totally change the subject <laughs> to do a hard stop on yeah, this conversation yeah, yeah. um get back a little bit to your personal life um you recently started 75 hard um first of all how's it going you made a face it's going you had a little slip up didn't you i might have had a cocktail oh. <laughs> <laughs> well but. for those that don't know do you want to explain what it is and how you're doing it 
So 75 hard, you're supposed to do two workouts a day. You're supposed to read 10 pages of a non-fictional book a day. So like a business book, leadership sure, book, sure. something like that. It can also be the Bible, whatever you want it to be. Um, it can. Then you have to drink a gallon of water a day. Uh, you have to stick to a diet and you can't drink alcohol for 75 days. If you mess up, you're supposed to start over again. I have since reverted this into <laughs> what they call 75 soft. I wanted to do. I've, I've still wanted to do seventy five soft. I did it for a little while, for like two weeks. And now it was not. It didn't go well. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that seventy five soft is like one workout a day. You can drink alcohol once a day. You can have one cheat meal a day. I'm not necessarily doing that. I'm doing my own version of seventy five soft. And my own version of seventy five soft has been every single aspect of seventy five hard, but with the ability to have drinks one day a week. So if I have a huge client dinner, then that's going to be my drinks for that week. Sure. Like, for example, I had uh, I had customers at a Panthers game. Sure. So I didn't want to be that, like, you know, oh, sorry, I'm doing this program. Uh, I'm and, drinking my cam- kombucha right now. Yeah. I can't have a beer. Yeah. yeah. So, And I'm not saying that you have to ever drink to be successful on no. sales or business level. My boss, uh, he has never had a drop to drink his entire life. Whoa. And I attribute him with growing our company significantly. Wow. So, And he was in sales for 20 years. So, really cool. you know, I don't think you have to, to be successful. I just, you know, also now being on a, on a loser level because I, I suck and I didn't make it. <laughs> like I also wanted to have a, uh, sure. you know, a couple cocktails with them and hang out with them and, uh, be social and do all that. So, you know. well, I think, uh, I think the point of 75 hard besides like changing who you are as like physically and mentally, um, I, I think it's just to make you a maybe not the best but a better version of yourself 100 percent. and i think 75 soft does that really well and and the version that i heard with the drinking aspect was only drinking on social occasions yeah um maybe not like one drink a day or whatever it is but but social occasions only um and that would make me the a better version of myself you know not that i'm just downing liquor on tuesdays by myself right there are times when I'm like, damn, I am going to go drink three beers right now. And dude, open my drawer okay. over there. I got a badass collection of bourbons. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you. And, it, and sometimes you have a really, really tough day and you get home and you're like, I just want to make a bourbon, sit upstairs and relax and for breathe. A for yeah. A yeah. But I, that's part of that program. That's like preventing you from doing it. Right. It's just like, I'm focused on my lifts getting in the best possible shape physically and mentally. And if I want to be a human and enjoy myself once a week, every once in a while, and I, you know what, next week I got nothing on the calendar. I mean, I'm, you know, we've got some stuff going on next week with friends, but I'm not necessarily going to drink at that. Right. Um, and I did that last weekend when I was still doing this was I, I went out to a bar for three hours and had a couple club sodas and hung out with my friends and went home. So for me going out is a lot of, uh, it's going to come off weird, but like having something in my hands. Of, right. Um, that could be, you know, a glass of bourbon or a Miller Lite or a Sprite. Like it can be, I feel like anything on that spectrum. Um, and so if you can consciously make the decision to switch it to a Sprite or a glass of water or whatever it is from a cup of liquor i think you're in a better spot definitely um in 
in every day of your life. Like not just 75 hard. I think that's just like a good life thing, which 75 hard encompasses, I feel like the extremes of all of those things that are technically like good for you. Absolutely. And that was another reason that I wanted to do this was I felt like mentally I have not been like at the best peak performance that I had been previously. And I needed this to, to reset myself. I've got a lot I want to do and accomplish work-wise, and I need to be on my game 24 hours a day. Right. Even as we're sitting right here. I mean, this is fun. Right. But it, we're still sitting here doing this, and it's Sunday night at 8.30, and this is part of you know, where I was at work-wise of having to, to do stuff until late nights and be on conference calls with other countries at late nights and be up early in the morning to get my workout in so that I can have a productive day and then get back and actually go and lift and do things that I wanted to do to be at the level that I need to perform at. And when you've had four drinks the night before, you're not at that peak performance the next day. At all. Um, yeah, it, it, that, that, I feel like that's another piece of it too is that just with drinking in general, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go out and have 20 beers to ruin your next day. Right. You need, I think, like four. And it just throws you off your game. Yeah, 100%. And that's critical because, like you said, it's not people are like, oh, it's not like I wouldn't have had 15 beers yesterday. Yeah, but you still had four, and those four are still going to affect the way you sleep and the way you affect what affects your sleep is affecting your next day and what's affecting your next day is affecting your next week and totally so on. I think my favorite part of 75 hard is that you're not supposed to like they call it 75 hard cuz you're supposed to do it for 75 days. Right. That's that's pretty black and white. Makes sense to me. But the whole thing is that when you get to that 76th day, you're not just going to be like, "All right, let's go have 15 beers." Right. Like you are not going to automatically you're going to feel better. You're not going to go instantly revert back to your old ways. I look at somebody like Matt Grisecki, who was a former brother yeah. of ours great in guy. college. But, uh, you know, he lives in Tampa now, and he's doing a great job. He's killing it in his, in his corner. Um, and, uh, you know, basically, he did 75 hard, and then he kind of was still lifting, still doing his thing. And he's like, I'm going to do 75 hard again. So he did it yeah. again. And then he did it again. That's so and now cool. he's doing the Life Hard program. Wow. So it's essentially 75 hard, but for life. Wow. And that's just because like he had built these habits that have made him feel the way he wanted to feel and he's sticking to it. I think it's 21 days or something like that. Do you know the correct, like the habit? It's, it's 21 or 30. I don't something remember like the that. exact number, but it's like if you can do something every single day for a month, it turns into a habit. Right. There's a book. I think it's called Atomic Habits and it talks yeah. about that. I have it upstairs. I haven't read that one yet. I'm reading Relentless right now. Um, and after I finish that, our good friend Jack Riley suggested uh, Journey of a Lifetime, or Ride of a Lifetime, excuse me, by um, the CEO of Walt Disney. Oh. That guy cool. is a beast. I'm yeah. blanking on his name right now, but absolute beast. That's awesome. Um, I'm actually about to go see him after this. Oh, good. So, well, I haven't warned him yet, but I'm going to call him when we're done. We'll see how that goes. Podcast time. <laughs> um, but no, I think just that mindset of, of 75, or what was it? Hard life? What's the... Yeah, I think it's uh, life hard. Life hard? Sounds sounds about right. Um, is kind of the goal when you start 75 hard, you just don't know it. Right. Like that was whoever created it. That's why I think it was created. Because once you're doing it for so long, it's not going to change on a dime back to the way it was. Right. 
Um, so to keep it on the, the social life or, or I guess personal life aspect, when you are, uh, still ties into 75 hard, I guess too. Uh, when you are at these networking events, Panthers games, taking clients out to dinner, drinks, whatever that is, what are you looking to accomplish? And I'll preface this once more or, or even further with, with my aspect of still learning this sales world and what that all looks like and how that all plays out and what I'm supposed to do in the right like field and how I execute things properly. When you're going out with clients, you're not going out with the intention of selling them. You're going out with the intention of building that relationship. Bingo. And I don't, not that I don't understand that because I do, but it's such a weird concept for me to be hearing right off the bat with being in a literal sales position. I'm not going out and selling. Can you make that make sense for me? People got to learn to read the room. You just nailed it by talking about building relationships over actually selling. If you're out to dinner with somebody that's a client, prospective client, whatever that means, they're sitting with you for a reason. Like they're either interested in your product or your company or they're already doing business with you and they're sitting with you for a purpose. They don't necessarily need to be sold over dinner. They People do business with people they like and you got to be likable. I've heard that one. And, yeah. you know, essentially, if you're out to dinner with someone like a, you know, potential prospect, I am never talking about business with them until they bring it up. And they will bring it up because at the end of the day, they're still interested. Or if you find the right opportunity off a word they said to just throw something in there and then jump right back to the personal relationship side of things, sure, sure. that's great too because you can just drive home a point. You know, I'm, oh, I'm so frustrated about this in my personal life. Yeah, well, you know, with Stanford, we don't do that because of X, Y, and Z. But you were saying about your daughter, what's, you know, and then, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Then I jump back that's right cool. to that because it's like I just drilled home a point I wanted to make but I let them pre present the problem that they've been having over dinner. And then it's all personal relationship building because my goal is for them to like me. I want them right. to like me. I want to like them. You want to do business who you, with, with who you like. Um, so I think that that is something that makes gr salespeople great. Um, and I'm not a salesperson. Okay. I, I, I'm an account manager. Well, oh, I was an account manager. Sure. You're not a sales rep either. You are going to be an account manager. You are there to manage accounts and build relationships. Gotcha. You're not there to sell anybody anything. I'll give you a great story. I was in Florida uh, visiting with a prospective uh, customer I wanted to do injection molding work for. Sure. It's like two, three years ago. And uh, I'm sitting in the conference room. I've been begging to get this meeting for a while, slowly but surely. And, and there's a follow-up rule not to go sidetrack on you, but... If you contact somebody the first time and they say, I'm interested, you're still not anywhere yet. You have to follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. And there's a, a fine balance and dance you have to do in those follow-ups of not being annoying because if you start hitting them up all the time, they are going to block you, whatever <laughs> that looks like, because they are annoyed by you. But you have to follow up. I put calendar reminders in for like two, three weeks out from the last time I talked to somebody. And if I don't hear from them again, I reach out to them again. Cool. I have kind of created that window of I'm not annoying you every three days. I'm not annoying you once a week, but every two, three weeks, you're going to hear from me until I get a firm answer out of you. Um, cool. But going back to my, my story about the customer in Florida, 
I finally booked this meeting. I go sit down in the conference room with the guy and he's like, okay, give me your sales pitch. He's like, I can't. He's like, what do you mean you can't? I'm like, I can't sell you because I'm not in sales. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, <laughs> we don't sell anything to anyone. In injection molding and in whatever you're doing, because most of the people that you're going to be selling your products to are going to hopefully be lifelong customers because they're going to move again. They're going to open a new office. Right, they're going right, to do right. something that I'm not here to sell you a program set this one time. I'm here to build value over the course of our relationship together. I am here to make sure that I'm going to hit immediate lead times for you, eliminate problems that you have, give you the best customer service you've ever seen and unmatched quality products every single time. Those are the things I'm going to bring. And did you see, I just sold him on everything that Stanford does, but I didn't sell him because I can't sell you anything because I'm not in sales. I'm not here to be a slimy car salesman <laughs> and sell you a car and never talk to you again. That's really cool. I love that. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, I've heard pieces of it, but not the whole thing altogether. That's really, really great. Um, when, so when you are taking a client out to dinner or, or a game again, like what we were talking about earlier, what do you talk about? Because I was asking my dad the other day. I was like, I don't know what to ask a client. We, my dad were, and I were having a great conversation about politics, and we were not going to get into politics here, but like, we were just talking about world news and politics. And we had a great conversation about politics for about two hours. And I was like, Dad, I can do this with you because we both agree one million percent. I don't know what I'm going to talk to these people about. And he's like, no, you'll figure it out. You'll talk about their kids, their sports they played in high school, like all of those usual rush things that yep. you'll bring up that you did talk about. Like during rush, you don't ask a kid like, what are your political beliefs? Right. That doesn't happen. But you're able to have a totally in-depth conversation with him. He's like, you're, you're getting too far deep in your head about it. What do you talk about when you're talking with clients? Well, you just nailed it with, uh, you know, the rush concept too, because thinking back to the chapter, another thing that High Point gave me and Rush gave all of the Sigma Nu guys is the ability to essentially network. Like when you have a hundred random guys show up to the house, you are there to network with them and talk about stuff that's going on. Totally. So it's the same principle of what you just said of, you know, tell me about your family, tell me about your kids, what do your kids like to do? People love to talk about themselves. What sports did you play in high school? What sports are you interested in? Oh, you're from North Carolina, you must be a Panthers fan. Oh, you're a Panthers fan, let's go to a game, right? Oh, you're from South Carolina, you like to hunt? Yeah, I love to hunt. What do you hunt? Oh, I'm a duck hunter, perfect, right? Let's go duck hunting in a month. That's oh, so cool. you like to you know, go fishing? There's a sweet fishing camp that we got out in you know, the... Uh, like Wrightsville Beach area, we take off from Atlantic Beach and then boom, we're out there. We go fishing. We should do that next month. Or, oh, you love to golf? That's great. Tell me the best golf course you ever played at. That's fantastic. What'd you like about that one? You ever had a hole in one? What do you, all of a sudden, you spiral that into other things. And I think it also helps if you are somebody that has hobbies that you like to hunt, you like to fish, you like to golf, you like to drink bourbon, you have a nice collection of whiskeys, you, um, you know, have traveled to some cool golf courses or you've done X, Y, and Z, and then you can relate to them in some aspect and you have activities you can do with other people. I'm a drummer too. So I play golf. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I, I'm a drummer. I'm a big musician. I, um, you know, have started to dabble in pickleball, like whatever it is <laughs> you can relate to them on. And you can either a start, um, you know, finding commonalities you can talk about or B, finding things you can do with them because the more time you spend with somebody, the more time you do an activity with somebody, 
that's where that relationship goes to that next level. You go play golf with somebody. Right, you right, shared right. a day a together. Experience, yeah. yeah, then you went to a Panthers game together. Oh, you remember when you shanked it in the water on seven and it hit that rock that killed an owl in the tree? <laughs> you know, whatever it was that happened that day, you have something to now talk about and revert to, and it's good times that you had together. The That's same cool. kind of good times you had with your friends. But at the same time, I love the connection you made with your friends. The person, even though they're not really like a friend, they're like a, they're not a colleague either. They're a client. You treat them like friends. They are like friends in a way. You want them to be. You want friend. them to be friends. I just feel like I makes it a lot easier to do work with your friends, totally. and it also makes it a lot harder for you to break up with your friends and move somewhere else. You True. don't want to take your project somewhere else because you trust your friends. Oh damn, I can't I can't uh I can't go with somebody else cuz Jack and I have golf two Thursdays from now. Well, it, that, <laughs> not that direct, but, but like But then you're also getting that transparency out of somebody. Look, I'm going to be totally honest with you about the project. I'm going to be totally honest with you about oh, your true. price. I'm going to give you because you're my friend another chance. I'm going to give you because you're my friend to requote this even though I got a better opportunity to go elsewhere. Cool. I wasn't even thinking about it like that. I like that. So because I like you, that's that right. likability thing. Damn, I'm learning so much here. Sales and marketing and PR are all high principles for success in life and business. Can you say that one more time? Sales, marketing. PR are like the three biggest concepts for growth in business and products. I'm totally with it. Like, I understand it. Can you elaborate on it a little bit? Most of the people that are running corporations started in sales because they have a way of, number one, growing the company. So... The people up top see that the sales reps are the ones responsible for growing the company and somebody that's killing it in sales is executing on a high level and they have insane habits that have gotten them to that level of success. They also have an extremely high uh, ability for likability. So therefore, people not just that they're trying to sell to, but their own people inside the company like them, which makes them more susceptible for growth inside the company. And they also are pretty good at managing automatically from that personality type in sales. Um, this is got nothing to do with politics, but okay. Donald <laughs> Trump be good. All right. is, was, before his political career, a killer at PR marketing and sales. Sure. Killer. And yes, he had family help. Where We all know this, right? He was given a million dollars. To turn a million dollars into like five billion is still pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my favorite stories um, of something he did in business was when he was trying to build a casino. What's the casino town in New Jersey? Is it Atlantic City? Atlantic City, yeah. So he's trying to build a casino in Atlantic City. He buys a lot for like $10 million and he needs a $400 million investment from a bank to build his tower casino resort, right? Damn, yeah. He needed to put on a show. Sure. So he's got the banks coming to town. 
he shows up on site. He saw, he hired every single um, construction company in New Jersey to show up the day that his tour was supposed to happen and move her, make it look like they're building the Taj Mahal. <laughs> yeah. He said at one point, one of the bankers saw a guy digging a hole and then refilled the hole with dirt and started digging it again. And he says, and this is in one of his books, but he's a, um, he says, fortunately, the guy was more curious than skeptical, so it worked out in his favor, but he put on a show. Sounds like and the that's, military. That's what a lot of like business is about, is putting on a show, a marketing show, a PR show, a sales show to attract others to that. And... um I feel like there's a lot of cool mentors I've had the opportunity to work from and learn from, and a lot of them have that sales likability background. So what you're doing is the right thing. Hell yeah, appreciate that. Um, so speaking of your your mentors um, and people you've shadowed, do you want to talk about those experiences of direct or indirect of who you are today? I believe that you need to talk to as many successful people as you possibly can even if you're not sure what you're going to get out of that meeting or that conversation or that relationship or anything like that because at the end of the day if you can take one thing away from each person you've talked to it's it's a win and some of those mentors have taught me sales principles marketing principles leadership principles faith principles that have stuck with me and have shaped me because again i'm pulling one at least one thing from each person that's made them successful sure and compiling them into my own library of successful information um and i think it's all about taking that one extra step in that initiative uh i'm not i don't necessarily need to like call people out by name of who's made impacts on me but there's been a lot and uh a lot of those mentors came from taking an extra step at high point of reaching out to local businessmen and women and saying, hey, I'm a college student. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm passionate in. Do you have an hour to talk with me? And the response was a resounding yes. I feel like there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I can't find a job. I can't do whatever. And yes, you're applying, but are you out doing the relationship building side of things to find stuff? I knew what I wanted to do my whole life, fortunately. Um, but there was one relationship that I built with somebody in commercial real estate, amazingly successful guy. I just wanted to go and pick his brain because he started the company from nothing and now he's got 500 million in assets under management. So I'm picking his brain about scaling and growth and how he pulled finances from different avenues and what kind of risk parameters he brought in and you know what levels of debt are scary and too scary and what are you trying to do there, et cetera. We don't need to get in the, de in the weeds on it. But he was but, just so knowledgeable in his field. Yeah, but at the end of the meeting, I'm a junior in college, and he said, if I want a job, call him back, and I have it. <laughs> wow. Just from going and having this curious conversation with someone. Right. Did you, were you the one that, um, you might have stolen this from somebody else, it might have also not have been you at all. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong here. But you emailed or, or called someone and... Or a bunch of people, you were like, I will work for you for free for a year, just as long as I can shadow you and learn. Do you know what I'm talking about? I you? might have said that. I feel like that's something I would have said in college. <laughs> um, but yeah, something like that is killer. I want to do an internship for you for free. 
that is huge. If if one of our fraternity brothers called or an active student at High Point called and was like, I just want to come and sit next to you for a month. I don't want to. I don't want any money. I don't want anything. I just want to sit there and watch you work. Are you okay with that? I would say yes. There's no way that you. I feel like can say no. Like, oh, you know, I don't have the time. Well, I'm not. You're not doing anything for me. I'm just watching. Right. Yeah. I'm just observing you for a week. I want to come shadow you for a week. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, just an opportunity to do something. And then when they have that downtime moment, people are people. They're still going to be like, you want to go grab lunch? You want to do this? You want to do that? And then you've got your end to talk with them about whatever you want to talk about. And a lot of times you're sitting there, hey, I noticed you did this today. Why'd you do that? Then do those little podcast things. Yeah. Yeah. Picking pieces. Picking pieces. Hell yeah. We've done a lot here today. We have. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot. I'm trying to think if there's anything else relevant that I need to share with you. Um, I got one last question for you, though, at the very, very end. And it's exciting because you said earlier that you haven't listened to a, a single episode yet. And I ask this question every single time. And I'm so glad that I get to hear your honest, straight up answer without you hearing it already. Are I'm you ready, ready for it? Or do you want to hear? I think I'm ready for it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So when I ask this, I'm going to be silent afterwards. I'm not going to give any clarifying answer any clarifying questions or um, put any context to this. You can take this however big or however small you want. All right, stop freaking me out, Peter. Get to it. (laughs) Do you have any regrets? No. That's it? Plain and simple? I think we all have regrets. I think that that's, uh, it's bad to think that you have regrets because there's nothing you can do to fix them there's nothing i can do to go back and change time or fix anything or do whatever i think that everything every decision i made everything i've done has taken me to where i am today and i am blessed to be where i am today um of course there's things you want to take back everybody has things they want to take back but you can't dwell on those do i have anything specific no hell yeah you get behind that thank you for having me peter thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of the igloo with peter fontanella have a good rest of your day call your mom see you soon